brace yourself because you're about to dive into another free first hour episode of the Higher Side Chats. And we just want to let you know that whether you're looking for a companion through your paranoid insomnia, entertaining yourself through one of life's mundane activities, or trying to ward off the internal screams of all those sad, smothered souls around the office, THC is here. And you should know that every episode of the Higher Side Chats has an entire second hour for Plus members. Sign up at thehiresidechats.com and you'll get years of Plus show archives, lifetime forum access, a special invite to Greg Carlwood's monthly joint sessions, MP3s of THC music, bonus episodes, tour videos, and 10% off t-shirts, grinders, and whatever else ends up in the Higher Side store. It's $8 a month that you won't miss, so become a Plus member and treat yourself in these troubled times. Always action-packed and commercial-free, which means you'll unfortunately never hear my voice again. In the 1930s, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt addressed the nation through a series of radio broadcasts known as the Fireside Chats. His aim was to reassure the common man that our society would recover from its troubled times. Well, we're far from 1930, and I deal with a different kind of fire. For a new era of worldly frustration, we offer a fresh conversation. I'm Greg Carlwood, and these are the Higher Side Chats. Don't worry, be happy, Higher Side Chatters. From sunny San Diego, I'm Greg Carlwood, and since the beginning of time, humanity has wrestled with the many mysteries of reality and sought insights from mystics and seers who have a keen eye for the signs and symbols that not only inform us of our place in the cycle, but also give us a glimpse of the bridge between the physical plane and the spiritual that we might not be so great at seeing ourselves. And many of these deep traditions have had to deal with a dedicated campaign to suffocate and smother them when they can, mock and ridicule them when they can't, and at a minimum keep the insights they so often yield to a privileged few. Though the tide does seem to be turning more so now than any other time I can remember, and after countless betrayals, false promises, and lackluster results from our arrogant, industrialized society, many folks are reconnecting with natural systems, deeper levels of consciousness, and those wise ones who never lost touch with the spiritual side of life. Which is why we regularly check in with the great modern mystic of Philadelphia, the one and only Ross Ben. He's the author of excellent and insightful reads like Rocks of Ages, Great Mystery Philadelphia, and Act of Urban Magic, Free Your Mound and Your Mind Will Follow, and 5G Wellness 101. Most recently, about a year ago, he broke down the astrological forecast for 2020, told us to expect a global resource reset, and relayed the saga of the yellow fever, America's first pandemic, in two of my favorite shows of 2020, and today I think we're going to elaborate on all those things and more. So let's get into it. The Urban Magic Decoder, Star Nation Promoter, and fellow herb smoker. Ross Ben, how are you, man? Thankful, thankful. Good to tune in with you in 2021. <laughs> yes, we made it. We made it. Yeah, we made it. We're <laughs> on the other side. Yes. But a smile, so give thanks. Of course. And it is a real pleasure to talk to you again. I've learned a lot about history, magic, crystals, astrology, and all sorts of stuff from you. And I am glad we could do it again while we are still in the first month of a new year, because I think people are seeking more insight than usual because our times are so troubled. And be that as it may, you're always pretty optimistic that this too shall pass. And that's something that never hurts to be reminded of, right? Absolutely. Particularly in this season. Mm -hmm. 
particularly in 2021, where we're, what we're heading into. Yes. And last year, you did your 2020 astrological forecast just before the end of 2019, and you framed 2020 as a year to expect a global resource reset. You were the first person I heard use a term like that, and now the Great Reset is pretty much on everybody's minds. It's talked about all over the place, so kudos to you on such a solid hit. But the most recent thing on your YouTube channel now is a lengthy presentation on the Great Conjunction and the Astrology of 2021. And the great conjunction of Saturn and Jupiter fell on December 21st, 2020, and the winter solstice, and a pretty important date in the Ethiopian calendar. You were pretty jazzed up for this date to come. How do you feel now? Well, I mean, I think we are seeing both sides of it, where the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction occurred in Aquarius which is the ruler of impersonal controls. And I see the impersonal is becoming personal. Mm -hmm. And when I say that, impersonal controls in society are social movements, social trends, social realities that if you want to be a, like active member in the social order, you kind of have to agree to it, you know. No one's telling you to do it, but just to be a vibrant social participant, more often than not, you agree, you know. So it's an impersonal control, and the way I see that playing out the most is the cell phone. I think the cell phone is the biggest impersonal control we interact with day to day and i think 21 is going to be the year where the cell phone kind of moves from just being a convenience in air quotes where yeah it's a device you can order your airline ticket online or use google maps or whatever it's going to kind of move beyond that to something that impacts your personal movement, your personal privacy, your relationship with personal property. 21 is going to be a year we see a lot of change with that. And we see the writing on the wall already. And I could easily see a scenario where travel is monitored and or limited in the name of COVID quarantine protocol, you know? Mm -hmm. But on the other side, we are seeing progressive social movement. Younger people with visions of the new day making it happen, making it manifest. Mm -hmm. So that's the biggest way I see this great conjunction impacting right here, right now. And basically we're in for a 20 year period, a score where the things that are happening now, they're gonna go through a maturation cycle. 
that's going to peak out in about 20 years when the next Jupiter Saturn conjunction will occur in Gemini. Hmm. Yeah, you know, that's one of the things that I think is important to remember that these are often cycles or windows of time. And there's often a lot of emphasis put on a particular day, which is when the energy might shift. But these are long arcs. And the naysayers often are like, well, nothing happened on that day. And it's like, well, it's more about, I guess, once we get into the future, looking back and being like, was that day a catalyst for a shift that we were too close to see at the time? And I really love following your raw search, as you might say, and the wordplay that goes along with it. And in terms of the cell phone, I've heard you talk about them as conveniences that (laughs) might not be as helpful as they were sold to us as being. And I just think that's also funny wordplay. And obviously, the world is so much bigger than America. But when it comes to the day of the Grand Conjunction, I thought it was interesting that they kind of rushed this vote on the stimulus and spending bills right on that day. And so many people looked at that and the corruption was just so obvious. The $600 was an insult. And in the sense that apocalypse means a type of revealing, well, a lot of people who might usually drink the Kool-Aid had a hard time keeping their faith in government when they really looked at the stuff that was in that, which is kind of a hit when you say that the Great Conjunction happening on the nation's natal Pluto means that the country would have to face some hard truths about itself. Well, the depth of corruption probably qualifies as a hard truth that a lot of people had to face when they saw the writing in those pages. Yeah. I would even say what we saw in Washington Mm. most recent was an aftershock of the Great Conjunction. Aquarius rules politics and like the little man's check against his governance, you know, Aquarius rules all of that. And right, not only did the United States have a Pluto return in 2020, but also if you look at the United States Treaty of Paris chart, when that's when this nation actually gained national status on the world stage, was recognized by other nations of the world as a nation. U.S. was having it as Saturn, Jupiter return, as far as its Treaty of Paris chart, all in 2020. So... Yeah, I think we're definitely seeing a reckoning time for the U.S. Pluto, it's how has this nation used its truth, you know? Has it created its own reality or has it aligned its perspective and speech and actions with omniversal law, you know? Reckoning with that. Reckoning with how it's occupied space with Jupiter. Reckoning on its place in history and time with Saturn. We kind of see it all culminating in this, when, what do you call it? So it's 
the great conjunction is definitely living up to its name as far as historical events are playing out. But I think we're going to see, like when I check Mayan prophecy, what they say is going to occur most during this great conjunction is DNA awakening. Hmm. And I kind of see that with the youth. I will say, and you know, everything is relative, but just in within my personal self, something does feel different in the air and the atmosphere. The sun feels stronger, more intense. And I think by 2022, we may really start noticing and being aware of how this DNA activation is manifesting in humanity, Hmm. you know? Yeah. And it does make me wonder why certain let's say medical technology, I'm not trying to get you kicked off YouTube, right? (laughs) But y'all know what I'm talking about. Why now is it designed to rewrite DNA as a means of strengthening immune? Mm -hmm. You know, is it because they know what time it is that this, like I saw this Mayan prophecy that said we're going to move from homo sapien to homo luminous after this great conjunction. Our DNA is going to be activated in such a way we become luminous beings. Mm-hmm. Radiating a greater love and compassion and overstanding with humanity, you know? And so I hope we see some things like that in 21, but based on Jupiter's movement, I expect to see it more in 2022. Right on. I do think these subjects are super interesting. You play a clip in your latest forecast of some shamanic elders who live high up in the Andes mountains. And they talk about this being a period of great turmoil and that we should be ready for exactly what you're saying, DNA activation. And I love that term, homo luminous. It's uh, (laughs) a very provocative term. But sometimes when I hear these sorts of themes, they're kind of difficult to believe. Like my brain wants to just kind of shut off to a term like DNA activation, just because I wonder, as much as I want it to happen, is there a precedent for something like DNA activation in the past that we can look at? Mm. I don't want to be hopeful for nothing, and I also don't want to be dismissive of the possibility, but this theme, even though it's potent, it seems kind of unprecedented, doesn't it? Well, not necessarily. And I think this will tie into something you were speaking about earlier, okay? You know how we're in the woke era? Yes. Okay, well, what woke us up? If you were to ask 
one studying the Mayan factor and the works of Jose Arguello's 33 years ago in 1987. The reason he created what they call the harmonic convergence, which I want to say occurred like in July of 87, they met in Chaco Canyon, New Mexico, and set off some days-long series of ritual and ceremony with the intention of awakening a mass consciousness of awareness. Mm -hmm. And we see it now. We see it now 33 years later. And I think a big part of this experience that we're witnessing is DNA activation in different ones, you know? Mm -hmm. When I hear ones, different ones who might be getting astrological services from me or just getting books or crystals, whatever, when I hear their account of how they got on this path and of wanting to get this quality and this type of information. It was oftentimes like a light switch being turned on, something inside being turned on. Well, what is that? What would we say that is? I would say it's the dormant DNA getting activated. We have like what, 90 plus something percent of our DNA, Western science would call junk or dormant DNA. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't call it junk at all. No. Right? But I would recognize it as dormant. That is information that we're not tapping to inform our current reality. And certain experiences can awaken dormant DNA. Mm -hmm. And another thing that's on our side is that when people quote unquote wake up, I mean, they're pretty much converted. They don't go the other way. Like when you have an event like 9-11 and you wake up to government corruption and that kind of idea, that's another one for our side. You know, like our numbers tend to always increase until there's maybe a breaking point that we haven't reached yet. But that's kind of a hopeful thing that whatever tends to wake people up, they they stay awake. Once they've faced the monolith of the big machine and seen its corruption and seen it for what it is, they don't tend to forget. And uh, that's a beautiful thing. Yes. But it also reminds me of the way people used to talk in the 90s about indigo children. And now, like those indigo children, they would be in their 20s. And I guess it just depends on how you look at it. But I don't see a ton of inspiration or spiritual enlightenment from that generation. It seems like they're caught in the trap of screens more than anyone. No? Well, they are growing up in a technological society. But I'm in contact with some young people who, like what they're dealing with, how they're moving in life. Yeah, it took me 
30, 40 years to get there, man. Mm. They're manifesting. They're not in that work hard to make money paradigm. They think and are rich and prosperous, you know? They're healing themselves, using the psychotropics and crystal kingdom, you know, like the plant kingdom and the crystal kingdom in ways when I was in my 20s, I was not on that frequency. And not to say, you know, every generation has life challenges to work through. And I definitely see a attachment to technology and I guess you can say conversely, maybe levels of detachment with other people, other humans. And I do see that commitment to relationships is something that that their generation, that's something they're working through. But I think I still see a lot of light in them. Mm -hmm. A lot more light in them and a lot more woke state of being than when I guess I myself was in my 20s. So we'll see. I think keeping that intergenerational link strong is very important in this time, particularly in the social, with the social media and the technology, because that is part of the, what you say, generation gap is the technology. Mm hmm. Yeah. And it's hard to generalize an entire generation full of millions of, of different people who are all at different levels of enlightenment. And obviously the, the media and the culture does tend to demonize younger generations or create greater divisions. And maybe that is because they know something about the youth and they don't really want their potential to be realized. Kind of like you mentioned earlier, it goes in line with the thread that's in the conspiracy culture that insinuates that because time goes in these cycles, so much of what the elite do is to try and extend their power by holding off the next part of the cycle. Yeah. Some say this is the whole motivation behind geoengineering, that they want to block those energies coming into the planet. Absolutely. Yeah. And they also say it's the reason for, uh, as you say, those medical technologies, maybe to stifle the spirit in the human body. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's interesting how Bill Gates is tied in with both of those projects, you know? Yeah. I didn't know the geoengineering was some of his works until recent, but I wasn't surprised. And I mean, it kind of lends to the perspective that ultimately what they are attempting to do is to prevent some DNA activation on a grander scale mm -hmm. with the medical technology and blocking out whatever rays energy from the heavens that would be doing this activation to block it out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
So when it comes to the, the qualities that would define 2021 astrologically, as you said, the impersonal becomes personal is in the air, that theme. You also say that there are a lot of squares and oppositions in the astrology this year and that the omniverse will probably be offering some resistance to momentum this year. And another line that you had that I like is big brother becomes big daddy. <laughs> can, can you elaborate on what you mean by some of these things and what your broad roadmap looks like for 2021? Yes. Well, Another thing with 2020 that was very interesting. It was a unique year I hadn't seen before where there were no squares or oppositions defining the 2020 chart. And usually, and why I don't know, but there's usually a mix of squares and oppositions going into a new year chart and you can vision like if you have a certain level of momentum squares would be like air resistance or just things at your side that are brushing up against you slowing your momentum an opposition is like your traveling uphill you're traveling against the wind there's a counter force that is slowing down your momentum but 2020 it started the year with no opposition or resistance 21 in contrast there is squares and oppositions in the chart this year hmm. And I looked at it like what came to me is, you know what? Some things need resistance. Some things need to be slowed down. Yes. And how the medical technologies aren't going as well as intended. You know, the process is meeting a lot of resistance just logistically and as well as in the perspective and attitude a lot of people have towards it so mm -hmm. you know that's a good thing <laughs> but then on a personal level I don't know for myself like I know 2020 was definitely a dramatic year globally but for me personally 2020 was an amazing year like I can really only be full of gratitude for the things that I personally experienced and accomplished in 2020. Mm -hmm. And I hear that from others, right? Mm -hmm. And that kind of happened, I want to say synchronistically, kind of magically, you know, just putting out the intention and seemed like the omniverse kind of did the rest. Well, I'd be surprised if that continues in 2021. I might have to put forth some effort and some personal ashe 
to counter the squares and oppositions 21 is starting with. And we all might have to do that on levels, you know? Yeah, I think the two phrases of the impersonal becoming personal and resistance to momentum are things that should resonate with a lot of people because I think we can kind of see that the shutdowns of 2020, they're kind of like an economic wave that we see welling up, but it really hasn't crashed into us yet. And maybe the medical side is another kind of wave that also seems to have gotten really started, but we haven't felt its full weight yet. So the impersonal, these big ideas that are kind of out there that we're just really seeing on the TV screen, they might be entering our personal life a little more. And uh, that resistance to momentum could relate to those things on a personal level, but on that higher scale, resistance to the momentum of, like you said, things we don't really want. And if you were kind of in this elite cabal and you consulted astrology for potentially rolling out some global nefarious plan, a year like 2020 where you're seeing no opposition would be a good time to do it. And it's just kind of curious how, yeah, everybody just went right on with the flow. It's a, a beautiful thing to think that that might not happen this year, that some people, some communities, some activist groups might really want to pump the brakes on this runaway train that really took all the energy out of the room in 2020. Mm, yes, for a lot, for many, yes. Mm -hmm. and. Speaking on that, like you asked one of the other phrases, big brother becomes big daddy. Yeah. Okay, so we kind of already know we were in like a surveillance reality, particularly after 9-11 and when certain laws were passed that kind of just opened the floodgate for personal data collection, you know? That's that big brother dynamic, Orwellian, just, you know, data collecting and surveillance to the degree, you know, what we say, big brother's watching. Mm -hmm. Well, I think in 21, we might see big brother becoming big daddy, where there's a financial dependency attached to these ones doing their surveilling. And they reward or punish you financially and economically based on what they see. Mm. That's the big daddy dynamic. And I think, right, I heard you had Sister Allison McDowell on, this is kind of touching on the information she's bringing forth where you're going to have this social credit score and based on what you're doing or not doing, Big Daddy's holding you accountable. Mm -hmm. So 21 is very possibly a year where the infrastructure that kind of comes into 
and the sight, like we could see the mechanisms through which they might be attempting to carry these things out. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Allison is really, really great at looking downfield as to where a lot of this stuff seems to be going when a lot of other people are kind of still processing what's already happened. She's looking like a couple of years down the road and saying, this is how this will turn into profits for Wall Street, which is, you know, so often what things become. Yes. We might see how, like the things she foresaw, we might see the actual structures of it coming in to being this year. I wouldn't be surprised. And that's primarily because, again, we got the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction in Aquarius, which rules impersonal controls that society holds over one another where politics and economics come together. So many of the, I guess for lack of a better word, Plutarch, Plutocracy, fascist, social order coming into being, you know? A lot of that is the shadow of Aquarius. When we hear the age of Aquarius is coming, a lot of people are excited to hear that. But the shadow side of Aquarius is, I guess what we would call dystopia, you know, hmm. the dystopian future. So not to say that that reality is destined. There's a fluidity of timelines that we could create. And I do think that we are going to create a non-dystopian future for ourselves. But it's in the hands and the minds of the homo luminous. <laughs> I don't know if the homo sapien mind can create the better tomorrow for us, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hope you're right. And you've also got some great montages on your YouTube channel of strange sky phenomenon that happened in the year 2012. And you have referred to 2021 as a year of 2012 events. In the forecast, you say that with Neptune being in Pisces in the 12th house, it means star nation, as you say, activity will stand out and get more attention this year. And I do feel like I'm seeing more and more videos shared online of strange things caught in the sky already only a month in but you expect this to continue and for star nation to be signaling their presence more this year right i do now neptune has been in the new year's 12th house for a number of years and so i think this has been a like a momentum or a wave that has been growing and i think a significant crest in that wave we saw at the close of 2020 when an is it really uh security officer announced that yeah hey there is a galactic federation you know we in the u.s government we've been in communication with them and we've been wanting to tell y'all about them but they told us to hold up because humanity's not ready. Right. Okay, so this was 
I'm paraphrasing, of course, but that was the message they came out with. And I think they're attempting to get ahead, put their spin on it ahead of the global realization that many have been talking about for a while, going back to Sun Ra and George Clinton Parliament Funkadelic. That, yeah, there is a galactic community that we've kind of been banned from. Like, we're in time out in the corner because we've been bad boys. <laughs> you know? We are, for real. And this is, like, what's happening now. Is, hey, y'all ready to come out of time out? Or you still got an attitude? You still ready to fight? Still ready to wild out and misbehave? If so, you're going to have to stay in time out a little longer. <laughs> it's true, but at the same time, to have like Israeli military scientists and Pentagon whistleblowers saying that these entities will work with those people, but won't work with the average Joe, I mean, that's a little far-fetched to me because those are the bad boys. They're saying humanity's not ready. These guys are ready? Is definitely far fetched. In my opinion, the Star Nations, the Galactic Federation, the Afanim, whatever you want to call them, they've been attempting to communicate directly to humanity for a while, but we've been ignoring them. That's what the crop circles are. Mm -hmm. Crop circles are their attempt to circumvent so-called leaders who are not making decisions that are in the collective's best interests, but they present themselves as the voice and authority for us. Yeah, they have been attempting to circumvent them, communicate with us through crop circles, but how many people are listening? How many people are paying attention? And crop circles are old phenomena. They've been going on for decades, you know? And I think, like, crop circle researchers over the decades who've identified what are called the three most important crop circles, I think they need to be revisited, get back into the awareness of people because it seemed like there was a time more people were paying attention to them, you know, but it's like, I don't know, it's dropped off. Right. And I think a part of that is just because again, they sometimes are signaling things that aren't in the immediate, immediate future. And so when they're signposts to something five years off, people do lose interest because we're so kind of dazzled by the shiny thing right in front of us and we forget about these longer arcs but i'm glad you brought up crop circles because when it comes to the messages of these members of star nation you do break down some of the crop circle messages from the past that seem to point to this time and one was actually from 2012 and it shows what looks like venus transiting the sun and then a second celestial body or star coming in on the tail of a serpent. And of course, it's helpful if people see the visual, which we don't have right here. 
But you make a good case that that crop circle message was a signpost to mark this return of Popilu and what to expect from it. And that's really interesting. Break that down a little bit for people, what a Popilu might be and what this crop circle might have been talking about. Sure. So what you're referencing is what is considered the third most important crop circle. And it's considered that because at the time that it was created, which was, I want to say, July of 2011, okay, it was the largest crop circle ever found up until that point. It was about three football fields in size, so it was pretty large. And ones who attempted to decode it considered it as foretelling the Venus transit of the sun, which was going to occur June 5th, 2012, right? And that event was kind of centered within the crop circle, right? And what it was was like a, like you say, it was a serpent that had what appeared to be a crescent sun moon eclipse crescent for the head then halfway through the body its body's crossing over the sun apparently coinciding with this venus transit across the face of the sun and then equidistant tail in relation to the center to the head. And at the tail, there's this much larger orb. And so if you break that down, like we attempted to break it down in 2012. And at that time, we thought it was saying like Quetzalcoatl, the star nation in Mayan prophecy was going to return when Venus transit the sun. But like you say, it appears that maybe the star nations foretell events that might come years away. And what it appears like is that it was really foretelling a large object that we up until this point, it's not identified in our astronomical sciences some large object was going to transit the sun eight years from the Venus transit of 2012. Because Venus transits across the sun, they occur every 128 years. But when they occur, they occur in pairs. So there'll be one Venus transit the sun going direct, and then eight years later, there'll be a Venus transit the sun going retrograde. So it appears like if you look at it with 2020 clarity, right? After 2020, you get this 2020 vision. We have more clarity. The head and the center 
of this crop circle represent the pairs of Venus transits across the sun. And then it was saying eight years later, which is, you know, now you're getting to the tail of this serpent, some other large celestial object is going to cross over the sun. And that's what occurred July 2nd of 2020. And it's gotten probably zero media attention. And I'm thankful I was able to capture the footage that was recorded by social media. And I do have it on my Rospin 188 website, but there is some large object, but it's not the moon, because we had had a solar eclipse on the solstice of 2020. So this occurred about approximately 11 or 12 days after the moon occulted the sun. So it wasn't the moon. There's no other celestial object in our solar system that we can account for this. According to like, if you say modern astrology. And I think what it is, is what ones would call Nibiru, what ones would call Nemesis, this dark star solar companion that according to Western scientists, we're in a single sun solar system. But they also recognize most stars in the galaxy are part of binary star systems. And they say our sun is just unique like that. But the reality is we do have a companion star. It's a dark star. It's not shining visible light. It's really radiating more heat and gravitational forces than anything else. And I don't think that sun revolves around our sun. I think it's the other way around. I think it is the center of our solar planetary system and that our sun has a very bizarre elliptical orbit around it. At least that's how it's described by the Dogon. And they call it Po Pilu. And they say at one time, it was the dark star twin of Po Tolo, which is what we know of today as Sirius B, the dark star in the Sirius system. And they say Po Tolo and Popilu were once in their own binary system. They were twin stars in a binary system. And because our sun, they say our sun jumped out of its celestial placenta before its time. And because of that, to keep order in the galaxy, to keep order and what the Dogon will call the clavicles of Amma, which is the spiral 
galactic arms that most stars in our galaxy are found, you know, to keep order and balance. That original Potolo, Popilu star system was sacrificed. And Popilu was attached, placed in the torn placenta of our sun. It's kind of what you say, bring balance. And our sun's original twin is the visible star Sirius. It was placed in a binary system with Potolo. And I do have a new work coming out, a new book called Knowledge of the Nomo, where I want to go hopefully explain it clearer than I did just off the top of my head right here. <laughs> yeah. The Dogon say that there's a cycle that they call Tabatolo, which means reuniting of the twin placentas, where Popilu and our son, you know, they're visible. You see them together. And I think we're in the Dogon time of the Tabatolo, and that. We're seeing our second son now, you know? <laughs> yeah, I love it. And for people who haven't seen it, you do have this montage compilation of people capturing what very much looks like a second son next to the traditional one. I guess I would ask, does Dogon cosmology say anything about the qualities or the energy that would come from this dark star? Is there any kind of prophecy of what to expect when it starts to emerge? Mm. Yeah. Well, to be honest, they say it's the end of all things. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad I asked. Yeah, they said it's the end. It's a wrap. Well, you can't build something new until the, the thing that uh, has been holding us back ends, right? There you go. There you go. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see how it unfolds. Yes. Well, this is actually a pretty good place to to kind of come full circle because you've mentioned Omniversal Law a few times. Of course, we need to get our shit together and be more in accordance with Omniversal Law. And the more we align with it, the easier time we should have going through this period of turmoil. Well, what can you say about Omniversal Law for people who maybe need a refresher or aren't that familiar with what that term really represents. How do we be more aligned with it going forward into a, a time of turmoil? Okay, great question. Well, we could say omniversal law is the law of one, which is a very simple law. Do unto others as you want done to you. Live as one. That's probably the easiest expression of omniversal law. But if you need it in a sevenfold expression, let's break it down a little bit. I think the best breakdown is called the Kabbalion mm. by the three initiates, where they just explain 
the seven basic laws that are consistent throughout time, throughout space, immutable. There's no place, no time you can be in where these laws don't apply. First one is that all is mind, that consciousness is the mental construct that creates the observable cosmos. Law, cause, and effect. Every action brings about an equal and opposing reaction. Law of polarity, which says everything is one, but in this realm, there may be polar manifestations of the same thing, you know? So black and white, all humans, hot and cold, it's all temperature, right? So the perspective you have can either be polarized or unified. And that will determine if the relationship is complementary or antagonistic. From that comes the law of gender, which says two poles, if you bring them together, energy is generated, something is generated. So man and woman equal a child. Electricity and magnetism equal a charge. So, you know, you need polar opposites for generation on this plane. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the other laws deal with, there's a law of rhythm that says there's a cyclical, nonlinear nature to things. So everything is going to come full circle. And that's at a rhythmic, appointed space-time. It's the law of vibration. Everything has a certain vibration or a certain frequency. And things of like vibration and like frequency are connected through resonance. So, yeah, I think you got a good gist. I might have missed one in there, but get the Kabbalion. in. Familiarize yourself with omniversal law and apply it as much as possible to your words and your behavior. Yes. Like the time we're in. Why is it relevant? It seems like the time that we're in, the omniverse is giving much quicker feedback. You do something, you'd say something, months, years may go by before the consequence, the effect of that cause comes full circle and you're face to face with it. Now, it seems like the way time is moving. You do something, you say something, that law of cause and effect, man, you, you're getting synchronistic, almost direct feedback. So you want to make sure that what you're doing is giving you the biofeedback you want, the biofeedback that you'll be thankful for. And so adherence to universal law is important right now to make that happen. Well said. Yeah. Cheers. 
I do love going over those things because our society seems to have values that get further and further away from the values and principles and laws of nature. And it's good to be reminded. And I definitely hope that benevolent forces do have our back in these troubled times and are reaching out. We got to make time and space to try to listen because it seems like the cabal turns up the volume on drama, division, violence, and all the rest of it so that we can't hear anything else unless we really, really try. So it's curious when they ramp everything up, what are we missing? And I think you make a good case that we are missing the message from uh, Star Nation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if they're saying in mainstream media, there's a galactic federation. That means moves are being made behind the scenes that they're attempting to get out in front of. So we have to be more informed on who's who, who uses what means of communication and how, and that relevance. I think it's very, I think 2021 is a year. Like if you as a person, or a family or a collective do that, you all will be thankful. And again, we're always looking to achieve that critical mass of a certain thing or a certain piece of information as it relates to the star nation. We got to get enough people aware because July of 2020, same people, Jose Arguello, the same one who woke us up 33 years ago in Chaco Canyon with the harmonic resonance, right? Mm-hmm. His people, 33 years later, hooked it. Yeah, that's right. I spoke about it on here. I think the last time I was on here, I mentioned it. Yes. That they wanted to conduct and facilitate a global meditation to invite the star nation to make a global appearance. I remember. An appearance such that it can't be denied that they're here and that they responded, right? And yeah, man, I was hype about that thing because just the alignment, right? I was a young man in my early 20s when the harmonic convergence occurred and it was like it had a big part of my just growing awareness like as i grew into awareness that event and reading jose arguello's mayan factor had a big impact on me and i was excited that this thing was coming full circle in 2020. And I felt like, yo, it's alignment for this global experience 33 years ago that kind of has created the woke, air quote, reality we're in now to be the event that ushers in our we're out of timeout now. Okay, y'all are good boys. Y'all know how to live as one. 
We got your message. Uh, you ready? All right, come on out of timeout. Okay, let me reintroduce you to your classmates and and the principal. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Right, but yo, now I heard a lot of people had personal experiences in those 10 days. Like the star nations came to different individuals, but that really, from my understanding, that wasn't the intention. The intention was let's get the collective mind of humanity focused enough that we can invite a global visitation. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it was an eye-opening experience for me because the amount of people and the amount of focus I think is needed to really let the star nations know we're ready for such a thing, we were not close to it. Now, I will say this. I was surprised by the attention the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction got. Yeah. And a lot of people who aren't even of the meditation, collective consciousness, oneness of mind, frequency, felt it was a time to do those type of things. Yeah. And that inspired me. That inspired me. I agree. It shows progress. Yeah. But will we get to that point in 21? I don't know. I would hope so. 22, though, I will mention this. 2022, I've already looked at and I named it the year of grace. And I do think some graceful things, miraculous things, angelic things will unfold in 2022. Right on. I, I could see that because in the same way people talk about the unique atmosphere of togetherness after 9-11, which was a, an event that had ripples that went out across the world, but was very focused. Here we have a massive, we could just sum it up as a big tragedy that is circling the whole world. And maybe on the back end of that, we remember that it's important to live joyful lives of togetherness. And maybe we do have a, a sort of a, a healing year when this is all over. Yes. And in line with that, where the moon was in the 21 chart, it's important in 21 to have fun, experience joy, you know, engage in creative expression. That's a big part of making it to 22. Don't let the stressors take your joy. Right. Try to stay light in heavy times. There you go. That's important in 21. That was part of the message of 21. And if we could do that, I think we're going to, experience some amazing things in 22. Amen. <laughs> I'm ready. Well, 
It's been as insightful as ever. I, I know your next book is on the Dogon, as you mentioned. Is there anything else you're planning or working on that we should tell people about before we wrap it up? Well, good elder of mine, Unc Rising Sun, he told me I got to write a book on Enoch. So I may create a willing after I get this Dogon work out of the way. I may share a book on Enoch. I'd be very thankful if I'm able to manifest that in 21. I would love to read that. Yeah. I do not plan to do a lot of traveling in 21. If I do do some traveling, it would be to the Franklin, North Carolina gym show, which is the third largest gym show in the country after Tucson and Denver. I've been able to experience Tucson. I've been able to experience Denver. If the forces align, I will be at the Franklin show and we might do some type of convergence there. It's my understanding there's a mound, an enchanted mound in Franklin, North Carolina that has stories of the dwarves and the indigenous ancestors showing up for certain battles. So that may manifest as some type of convergence, you know, <laughs> different ones. We come in there, activating earth grid, crystal, personal activation. So uh, that's really my vision for 21. Awesome. I will mention too, man, some amazing, like something amazing is manifesting here where those that study my work know that I do a lot of research in the Wissahickon Park of Fairmount Park here in Germantown, Northwest Philadelphia. And amazingly, a collective known as Wissahickon Wellness, which is a collective of master healers. They got this amazing property, the last house before the woods, right on Wissahickon Avenue. They're opening it up as a healing sanctuary. So I'm going to be working with them, and I'm very excited about that. So wow, keep an eye out for that. You know, yeah. we'll be able to accommodate guests like in a and b It's got a couple of rooms that'll be a and b reality. You'll be able to stay there, get your healing from all of these amazing wellness providers, you know, Reiki masters and trauma touch release, all different types of amazing healing modalities are represented in this collective and i'm very excited about doing the works with them so you can look out for that as well and why i'm excited is because i do feel like that's just the ancestors opening up the portals for the healing of the nations and these sacred lands you know yeah 
and given ones like myself on this frequency, on this alignment, given us access to the sacred lands once again. And we know what happens in Philly. Certain parts of Philly happens with the full participation of the earth. So I look at this as a redemptive, reclaiming manifestation of those things. Heck yeah. Amazing. Yeah, that gives me a couple of good reasons to travel the East Coast uh, if they let me. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, man. Because, yo, you know what it is. We got to spark one up before either one of us check out of this thing, you know? <laughs> we got to. We got to. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, awesome. Man. And it also seems like RossBen.com has gotten an upgrade. Looks like you are doing astrological readings now through the website. You're actually selling some of the crystals that are talked about in 5G Wellness 101. So that's also definitely something people should know. Well, hey, you know what? You know why that upgrade occurred, brother? Hmm. Because one of your listeners, EOB Consulting, my good sister Erin out of Denver, who I actually had the opportunity to meet face-to-face and express my gratitude. But she heard me on your show. She went to my website. She was like, yeah. And she reached out to me. And she was like, yeah, Ross Ben, I like your message, man, but your website's whack, bro. Let me, ha- <laughs> let me help you. And she helped me. And just through bartering, just exchanging books and crystals, she gave me the upgrade I needed for 2020. So salute, Sister Aaron, And, you know, that's the strength of community. So... Yeah, man, that's how that thing manifested, being a part of the TAC community. So give thanks. Yes, very cool to hear. Very cool. That's awesome. Man, well, (laughs) there it is. You are one of my favorite wise men. I always feel a bit better about our chances of making it through after talking with you. And today is no different. Much appreciated and take care until we get that opportunity to spark one down. All right, my brother. Much love to you. Respect TAC community. One love. Spark one down? Spark one up. Burn one down. But whatever, man. One of those days where I couldn't find my words because I just wanted to listen, I think. But great to have Ross Ben back. A lot to like here. It's always a pleasure. And since he's been doing these astrological forecast presentations the last couple of years, it's great to have him here around these transitional times to talk about the roadmap ahead. It's cool that he folds in insights from several different sources outside of just the astrological configuration, and he can go deep on the Space Brothers. I mean, this is all right in our wheelhouse, right? A little everything. And remember that stimulus bill apparently has an odd add-on for a 180-day countdown for the government to reveal what's known about non-human life I think to Congress, but the theory is that at that point it would just get out. And I don't want to overemphasize this document or its importance, but I'm definitely keeping an eye on it, right? Chances are it'll either all be redacted or it will be carefully crafted to present that false flag narrative that we talked about today. But in terms of the forecast, I really liked the phrasing of Big Brother becoming Big Daddy. That's such a mystic thing to say, and it's true. The Big Brother surveillance state is integrating with banking to get everyone 
stuck on the comeback, as they say, the drip, drip, drip of a government check. We're in the crush everyone economically phase right now, the creating the need phase. And if I had any advice for life right now, and I know it's so much easier said than done, but try really hard to not be in a position to need that government check. Because that is where all these strings will get attached, this UBI rollout. I know it's hard to do because they're systematically trying to put you in the position to need it. And I mean, of course, take it. (laughs) Take anything you can get, right? We pay plenty. Might as well get something back. But I would just be prepared to let it go when we start seeing it be conditional on things we're uncomfortable with. Every indication tells us that it won't be easy for a little while, but at least we're thinking about it now. We're ahead of the game. We're preparing for winter while a lot of folks still aren't even aware it's coming. So here's to hoping we can stay strong and make it through to the year of grace or the Great Valley or whatever it is we need to get to on the other side of all this shit. But don't be afraid to lean on each other. I know THC is more of just a podcast than a real community. I see some of my colleagues do a much better job in that area. For us, a lot of people listen and then just move on with their day. But I've tried a few things to open up a dialogue for the audience, but it oftentimes just becomes people asking questions to me personally, or just addressing me personally, which I don't care, I'll answer some questions, but I don't think that's going to help you like it would if you found a dozen other level-headed THC fans in your own city. At least being fans of this show is a starting place for building a network, and you know that you're most likely on the same page with them when it comes to the broad strokes, which is a lot more than most of us can say for our traditional friends and family. And I guess it is up to me to create the space, or keep trying until one clicks. It's obviously not the Facebook group. It's probably not the subreddit. It's kind of the Discord, but that's a pretty niche platform. And apparently they just kicked off Sam Tripoli, so why invest in it at this point? I did start a Telegram channel and chat recently. It's a new encrypted platform that functions really well but I'm still a little unsure of how to use it correctly. Everything that I seem to say in the channel can be commented on, and all of that is copied into the chat as well. So until I hear otherwise, I'm thinking that I'll use the channel side of it as I would a Twitter feed, largely just posting shows, occasional news, interesting links, and smart-ass comments. And then the chat side is more like a private Facebook group, or a weird kind of group Twitter feed, because it is all just stacked in that blog roll style. But I think I'm done pushing buttons on Twitter, and I barely use Facebook anyway. I guess I'm starting to think the best approach is to think of this new internet as a series of layers. Twitter and Facebook is the PG layer for THC, and then maybe... Telegram, and if I get into these new things like Mastodon instances, 
that would be like PG-13. And then we have the forum, which is a hard R of basically anything goes. And it is very private. It's not policed. Threads can be about anything and no conversation is too taboo. Obviously, when some sort of noise going on in there reaches up to my awareness, then I will probably have to step in and do something about it, I guess. But for the most part, I think a forum should be able to police itself, especially a private one. It's that private aspect that makes the moderation easier because there's never bots, there's never any of that stupid stuff, that spam stuff that just floods into a public forum. Not a lot of people use it, but that's its usefulness. Of course, don't harass anybody, be cool, and if something in there bothers you, just don't pay attention to it. It's only text. And then, of course, the next layer, the deepest layer, is the show itself. It's completely unrated. So I'm going to kind of guard up a bit when it comes to the most draconian of mainstream platforms, because if you're looking for bold, raw speech on Twitter, you're doing it wrong anyway. Still trying to think about how to handle the YouTube channel. I have that PSA that goes before every YouTube episode, and it says in there that I will not put the most controversial ones on YouTube, but I always do anyway. I don't like having holes in the archive, but if they're going to pull it eventually, then I guess that's going to be a big hole. The problem is so many YouTube subscribers just listen to whatever shows up that if there are episodes missing, they really won't even realize it unless I start addressing it in wrap-ups. And then I don't want to talk to 95% of the audience about stupid stuff going on with the YouTube channel that's different. 99 problems, right? But shout out to Aaron, who stepped up to improve Ross Ben's web presence. That is huge. That makes me very happy to see THC being the bridge to something like that. And I hope more bridges are built, because we are in a time where we need those bridges. So it was really nice to end on that. I wasn't expecting it. I had no idea why his website was better. I just knew it was. So that was a happy accident and provides a great example of exactly what I'm talking about. I'm going to think about more secure, sustainable systems to better connect you guys. In fact, the next THC episode is largely about that, and it scratches off one of the big names on my dream guest list and provides us another example of the power of community, because it wouldn't have happened without what our upcoming guest sort of referred to as a lot of nudging from you guys. But that's for another day. Anyway, this was a fun one. And the main crop circle we talked about is called the Cosmic or the Electric Serpent, if you want to look it up. It's also the cover image for this episode, though I do have that text over. It makes it difficult to see, but it is there. And we talked about the other big crop circle messages in the second hour, as well as the inner earth beings. Ross Ben's concept of the inner earth, the churches of living rock, the Antarctic portal, the story of Lolly Bella, Ben Franklin as a Herculean archetype, a recent presentation he did called The Great Mystery Philadelphia Exposes Pedophilic Governance, and a little more about Stephen Gerrard and Benjamin Rush and what they were up to for people who remember that Yellow Fever episode. So all good stuff, a bit more of a grab bag of topics, which I personally like a lot, 
when we have a guest here like a Michael Wan or a Ross Ben, it's usually because they have a great new presentation that is very dense and we want to walk you guys through it so that all the connections can be made in just an audio experience. But when these kind of guests pop in between those instances, we can go to all sorts of weird places because I know they have a lot of knowledge that just might not make it into the latest this or that. So I'm happy with it. It's nice to have a calming presence in very stressful times, putting this out on the inauguration itself, a day that many people thought was going to be complete chaos and I kind of thought would just pass as it seems to be passing. Maybe I just shouldn't say anything because I'm really not paying attention to the news. I'm doing this. But I hope you're all way more focused on getting your game locked tight and less about what's going on through the big screens. But that's it for this one. Thank our guest if you had a good time. I'll see you soon with another show that I'm very excited to get out there. Until then, take care of you and yours. I've done my part. Your move, Space Brother Simulators, False Flag Invasion Facilitators, and Great Reset Resetters. Your fucking move. This is important. Hear what I said. I'm trying to tell you. It's not paranoia, not in my head. It's just the hard truth. Knocked on your door while I still can to ask you a question. I know your head is still in the sand Don't be sheep till you slaughter for the rest of your life Oppressed, oppressed, but you're getting woke You say you don't want to be stressed until the day you die Tough luck, my friend Did you get the memo? Can't you see that we're so screwed? Don't you know we're our kung food? Can't you just admit we're screwed?
a slaughter for the rest of your life Oppressed, oppressed, but you're getting woke You say you don't want to be stressed until the day you die Tough luck, my friend Did you get the memo? Can't you say that 